The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Here's your host, Scott Chu. Yo, everybody, and welcome to the First Pitch Podcast. As they said, my name is Scott Chu. You can find me on Twitter at IfTheChewFits. I know I'm a little late, so let's get right to it. I want to start with some trivia. Who leads the major leagues in average home run distance, 437 feet, for all players with at least two home runs. Hint, I won't be mentioning him in this episode till we get to the very end to provide the answer. Now we'll go to the injuries and transactions. I want to go with trades and call-ups first. The Tampa Bay Rays have acquired David Peralta from the Diamondbacks for 19-year-old catcher Christian Serta. The Rays also activated Jalen Beeks from the IL. The Cubs acquired Zach McKinstry from the Dodgers for 36-year-old reliever Chris Martin. The Phillies acquired Edmundo Sosa from the Cardinals for one-time pitching prospect Jojo Romero. Paul DeYoung was also called up by the Cardinals and hit a home run yesterday. Seuss Sosa isn't really a fantasy play, but he'll likely fill a utility bench role for the Phillies. Jeter Downs was sent down to the minors in favor of the slap-hitting Christian Arroyo, who will likely play a utility infielder role. Former first-round pick Tuki Toussaint was recalled by the Angels and got the win, throwing four innings in relief. He's not really a fantasy-relevant player in most formats, though. Matt Manning will rejoin the Tigers sometime next week, likely against the Twins. That's probably a start you want to skip, uh, just to see how he's doing. And then, of course, if you haven't already heard, Jacob deGrom will get the start Tuesday against the Nats, and that is one where you will want to activate him absolutely immediately. As far as some more injury issues go, the Twins have sent both Max Kepler and Miguel Sano to the I.L., recalling Tim Beckham and outfielder Mark Contreras. Neither is likely to do enough to warrant consideration in mixed fantasy leagues, but then again, we've seen Tim Beckham have a heater or two out of nowhere before. There's no you know, there's no reason why he couldn't do it again, I suppose. Also noteworthy is that Alex Kirilov is dealing with a wrist injury, so we'll see how that plays out. Luis Severino finally got an update. He may be able to begin a throwing program on Monday, so he should return sometime in August, hope. Kyle Gibson is going on the bereavement list. He's not going to make his scheduled start on Tuesday. Drew Pomeranz is slated to begin a rehab assignment for the Padres in the next week and rejoin the back end of the Padres' bullpen sometime probably around the middle or end of the month. Tyro Estrada is going to hit the seven-day IL after being hit in the head with a pitch yesterday. Probably good news that Brandon Crawford is also set to begin a rehab assignment. Estrada's been someone who I, you know, unfortunately overlooked on the last hitter list uh, until this, and hopefully comes back soon. He was on pace for like a 15-home run, 20-stolen base season, so hopefully he can be back soon. Mitch Hanniger made it six innings in his most, re- his most recent rehab start while also hitting a home run. 
His return is definitely coming up soon, just maybe not next week. We're really looking for him to log a few full games in the outfield before he gets that call. Yadier Molina looks on track to get recalled on Tuesday. Uh, he's more of a back-end or streaming catcher, but he should be back soon in two-catcher leagues. Former two-way player Brendan McKay has gotten off to a decent start in his rehab assignment in rookie ball. There still might be a fantasy-relevant player here if he ever even sniffs his former potential, but we're still a long way from seeing him in a Rays uniform. And Corey Seager might end up on the IL to rest his lower leg. Definitely something to keep an eye on there. Top hitting performances from yesterday. Marcus Simeon of those same Rangers went 3-for-5 with a home run and 3 RBI. He's wrapping up a solid July where he stole 6 bases to go along with 6 home runs, bouncing between the top 2 spots in the lineup, and showing fantastic plate discipline, making a ton of contact. Simeon doesn't really resemble that 45 home run 15 stolen base monster from last year but he's well on his way to a 25 home run 25 steal season which is a heck of a consolation prize if you're the one of the folks who drafted Marcus Simeon you certainly can't be complaining too much William Contreras of Atlanta he went three for four with two home runs and three RBI he's been solid all month long as evidenced by his 158 WRC plus and 939 OPS he and Travis Darno have each been top 12 fantasy catchers this season should continue to be at least top 15 options despite sharing that job should Contreras find himself in a more full-time role I'd be willing to move him up to maybe even the top 10 at the catcher position Jonathan India continues his resurgence he went three for five with a double a home run two runs scored and two RBI since July 7th India is hitting 320 and slugging 600 with five home runs six doubles and seems locked in as the leadoff man for the Reds this reminds us a lot of the player we thought he could be in the preseason and even if I'm being conservative it's it's hard not to imagine him as a top 12 to 15 option at second base the rest of the way. Byron Buxton went two for three with a home run, two runs scored, an RBI, of course, a walk and a stolen base, the only combo meal of the day. Batting average has been an issue for him. One reason it's been an issue is because he's got a crazy fly ball rate right now. If you look at his 15 game rolling charts on fan graphs, he's at roughly 65 to 70% fly balls lately. It's been a huge spike. And while that does help boost his home run totals, it does hurt the batting average as fly balls usually have to leave the yard. Uh, otherwise, they tend to find gloves. Another interesting little trivia fact, this I believe is the first season of Byron Buxton's career across all levels where he's hit at least 25 home runs in a single season, uh, even if you combine them. Well, that's not really relevant for fantasy purposes. I did think it was inter interesting. Obviously, injuries have been the main factor in that. Aaron Judge, stop me if you heard this one. He hit a home run. He went two for three with a home run, two runs scored, two RBI, and two walks. That home run puts him firmly in the lead over in Vegas as the AL MVP favorite over Shohei Otani. In other news, I doubled down on my bet for Shohei Otani to win the AL MVP. Uh, right now, you can find it often at plus 400. Judge is absolutely the best pure hitter in baseball right now, and it's by a wide margin. Though, just to be clear, if he continues to stay healthy, Aaron Judge might just cruise path babe past Babe Ruth and Roger Maris. As the Yankees' single-season home run king, he just needs to reach 60 and 61, respectively. For what it's worth, it would also be the most home runs by a non-steroid player, meaning the most home runs by someone not named Bonds, McGuire, or Sosa in a single season, if you're into that kind of thing. Aledmus Diaz of the Astros continued playing extremely well. He went 3-for-3 three three with a home run, 2 uh, RBI, and a walk. He's been a full-time player in July, and it's been crucial to the Astros' success as he's paced the Afro Astros in batting average this month at 315 and he's second in home runs on base percentage and slugging for the Astros this month with recent news that Michael Brantley still isn't swinging a bat he should be scooped up wherever he's still available if you need a utility bat for your fantasy team go ahead and get a Ledmus Diaz Jake Fraley of the Reds went three for four with a home run two runs scored and three RBI 
in his return from the 60-day IL. He missed most of the season with that injury, but ever since his stint with the Mariners last season, he's been walking up a storm. He's got walk rates of over 15% in multiple levels for multiple teams, though it was considerably lower in his 15 games for the Reds back in April. He's not really a fantasy-relevant player outside of deep OBP leagues, but depending on how the Reds roster shakes out after the deadline, he could find some 12-team OBP relevance if he gets to move up in the order. You don't need to stash him or anything, just remember the name Jake Fraley. Shohei Otani of the Los Angeles Angels went one for four with a home run, two runs scored, three RBI, and a walk. And did you know that he's actually getting better as a hitter? I know it's silly, as if a 35 home run, 20 stolen base kind of guy isn't good enough, but Shohei Otani has diligently been working on his contact. He's added 10 points of contact rate to uh, his prior season numbers. He's kept it up all season long. The strikeout rate dropped as a result. It's down to about 23%. Not only is his ceiling uh, Shohei Otani best baseball player to ever live, but also now we see a floor that is considerably higher, I think, than we thought it might have been after he posted near 30% strikeout rates. Brandon Lau of the Rays went two for four with a home run and two RBI, and in 47 plate appearances since his return, he's hitting 318 with a sub-20% strikeout rate and slugging 500 to boot. Plate discipline's been a big concern in the past for Lau, but he's not having any trouble at the moment and seems due for a hot streak. Don't forget, he hit 39 home runs last season, including 17 across August and September. Paul DeYoung, who I previously mentioned was called up, he did hit that home run. He went one for three with a home run and three RBI. Not a huge fan of the skill set, but he's still a power hitter. And yes, he's old for that league, but he was insanely hot in AAA. If you go across the minors and majors, he's actually hit a home run in four consecutive starts and has six home runs and 28 combined runs in RBI in 11 July appearances when he was in AAA for the Memphis Redbirds. Obviously, he added to that as part of the Cardinals. David Fletcher of the Angels, he went two for three with a double, two runs scored and two RBI. Fletch has a hit in all three games since being activated from the IL and even led off on Friday. He's not all that relevant for fantasy purposes as a number nine hitter due to his limited power and speed, but the extremely contact-oriented infielder is worth keeping an eye on if someone like maybe Taylor Ward or Brandon Marsh are dropped in the lineup. Matt Carpenter finally got another start since the Yankees acquired Andrew Benintendi. He went one for three with a home run and a walk. It looks like the Yankees haven't entirely forgot about him as Carp's home run was enough to get him in the lineup today as well. He's hitting seventh for the Yankees against the Royals. He's almost certainly a platoon player at the moment, though at some point Josh Donaldson's defense isn't going to be enough to keep him in this lineup every day. He hasn't hit well. I wonder if that's maybe become going to become a more of a platoon situation. Andrew McCutcheon of the Brewers. He went two for four with two doubles, a run scored, a walk, and a stolen base. Kutch has been on something of a tear for the last 23 games with three home runs, two steals, and 30 combined runs in RBI with a 289, 352, 464 line from the heart of the Brewers order. The 35-year-old Kutch is more of a replacement level outfield at this point in his career, but the savvy vet still has enough in the tank to be a solid streamer in the right conditions. For example, facing the back end of the Pirates, Rockies, and Cubs rotations 13 times in those 23 games. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. of the Toronto Blue Jays went one for two, a two-run scored, a walk, and a stolen base. He stole two bases this week. Two in one week. Vlad Guerrero Jr., two stolen bases one week. Oh, and he also extended his hitting streak to 11 games. He only has three home runs this month, but those two steals and his 340 batting average should make up for it. Uh, Max Muncy went one for three with a, with a double in his stolen base. Vlad and Muncy stealing a base on the same day. Must have been a full moon or something, I don't know. But while Muncy also has three home runs and two steals this month, the picture's far less pretty as it comes with a painful 151 batting average and 278 OBP in the month of July. Muncy's been devoted to, demoted to seventh in the batting order, and with Edwin Rios and Chris Taylor 
looking to return in the next two or three weeks. It could get even uglier, be an injury or something else. Muncie is hitting way too many weak fly balls, and if you haven't already, you can probably start dropping him in 10 to 12 teamers with the right waiver wire piece up. Starting pitching performances from yesterday, Carlos Carrasco went against the Miami Marlins. He got the win on 7.2 innings pitch, no earned runs, four hits, two walks, seven strikeouts on 93 pitches, and he actually faced them earlier this month, but gave them a, he gave the Marlins a completely different look than they saw earlier. He only threw 15% four-seamers, he threw 33% sinkers, which he actually sort of flip-flop in the previous start, and he worked more arm side than glove side, likely because of the sinkers, and it worked like a charm. The sinker generated five whiffs, which was just one fewer than the six he got from his slider. He's now got three straight starts with zero earned runs, and it's his craftiness that I think will continue to be an asset. Ranger Suarez of the Phillies went against the Pirates. He got a no decision, not his fault though. He went six innings pitch, no earned runs, three hits, one walk, and eight strikeouts. And really with Suarez, the command is locked in right now. It was not in the first half. That's the real difference here. And as Nick Pollock suggests over in the SB Roundup, which you definitely need to check out, it makes Suarez a lot more volatile than he appears, more like a Vargas rule. But this is the upside when Suarez is hitting his spots. Ross Stripling had a real short start against the Tigers. He only went 4.1 innings pitch, two earned runs, five hits, no walks, five strikeouts. He had eight whiffs. And the thing is, the Blue Jays seem to have no intention of letting Stripling face the order a third time when he's struggling in any way. That's what you saw here. He got into a tiny bit of trouble, and the Blue Jays just did not want anyone to get a third look at him. It caps his upside a bit, but maybe not as much as you'd think. This is more of just some bad luck, I think. Corey Kluber of the Rays went against the Guardians. It was six innings pitched, 10 strikeouts. That's good. Four earned runs, eight hits. That's not so good. Uh, he had 10 whiffs, 89 pitches. But Kluber gets the Tigers next, and if he's anything like he was against the Guardians... Uh, he can still go six inning pitch with 10 earned run or with 10 strikeouts, but the earned runs and hits are going to be a lot lower against a Tigers team that just cannot hit right-handed pitching. Kyle Freeland of the Rockies went against the Dodgers, got the win on six innings pitch, three earned runs, six hits, no walks, six strikeouts in Colorado because the world is a random and unfeeling place and it doesn't make any sense, but that's what happened. Nick Pavetta of the Red Sox went against the Brewers. He got the loss, five innings pitch, four earned runs, nine hits, two walks, only four strikeouts. And Pavetta is a living, breathing lesson on how these all-stuff, no-command guys can be for fantasy. It's really volatile. You really want to control where you're putting him in for your lineup. You can't just set him and forget him. Nestor Cortez of the Yankees got the win against the Royals yesterday. He went five innings pitch with two earned runs, five hits, two walks, five strikeouts. And this is what you should have expected all along. And it is what you got. He got nine whiffs with a fastball, indicating he's probably still as deceptive as ever, so you really got to let it ride. A couple other notable notable starts. Framber Valdez of the Astros got a no decision against the Mariners, but he went seven innings pitch with three earned runs, five hits, one walk, and seven strikeouts. Not too bad. Johnny Cueto uh, spun a little gem against the Oakland Athletics. He went seven innings pitch with two earned runs, six hits, one walk, but only two strikeouts. He's really just a crafty veteran, sort of a lesser version of Carlos Carrasco right now, but he's usable against bad offenses. Tyler Molly had a nice little start against the Orioles. He got the win on six innings pitch, two earned runs, five hits, no walks, seven strikeouts. And Ian Anderson took down the Arizona Diamondbacks, who just got considerably worse without uh, David Peralta. Uh, he went six innings pitch, no earned runs, one hit, one walk, and nine strikeouts. Heck of a day for him. Relief performances from yesterday. Tyler Duffy of the Twins had a long, painful outing in a non-save situation, which sets up Joan Duran as a possible for a possible save today if the Twins are in position to get one. Duffy has given up earned runs in two straight after having 13 consecutive scoreless appearances. We'll see how that plays out over the next week. 
Note that the Twins take on the Tigers to start the week next week, so there should be a couple saves in line there. Daniel Bard, a 37-year-old reliever, just signed a two-year extension with the Rockies, which doesn't make a lot of business sense, but he hasn't given an earned run since July 6th and picked up his seventh save of the month, tying him with Edwin Diaz and Tanner Scott. This all but assures he stays with the Rockies. It's probably the best for his fantasy value, even if, again, it's perplexing from a business perspective for Colorado. Kyle Finnegan picked up his third save of the week and his second five-out save of the week, but despite throwing 4.1 innings in those three saves, he only notched one strikeout, which is kind of unusual considering that Kyle Finnegan hadn't really had any trouble with strikeouts prior to that. Either way, saves are saves, and Finnegan is available in 74% of Yahoo leagues and 94% of ESPN leagues, according to Fantasy Pros, so whenever he's got decent matchups, you can definitely slot him in as a as a pinch reliever, so to speak. Pete Fairbanks and his 98 to 99 mile an hour heater have each of the Rays' last two saves, but I'm worried that just saying that out loud has ensured someone like Brooks Raley or someone else random to get the next save, but it is worth noting as a full-time closer for the Rays would be a heck of a fantasy closer. And finally, Rysel Iglesias picked up a July save. It's his only save in July, despite having the job the entire time. Saves volume is extremely fluky, and technically, he only blew one save this last month. He should have more going forward, though, and I do think he'll pitch better. So don't be too worried about Rysel Iglesias. Just a lot of bad luck here in the month of July. Now, before we go to the weather and the day ahead, let's take a quick break, and we'll be back right after this. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show and we are back just in time to go to our friend Mark with the weather. Mark, take it away. Thank you very much. We continue to see a dry pattern today, much like yesterday, much like Friday. The northern part of the country is dry, and the southern part of the country, where there is a battleground between some drier and some very humid tropical air, most of those places are played indoors. The, the exception there is Atlanta, but even there, it looks like the front is far enough south that they should be dry, just like they were the last couple of days. So, moral of the story is no issue play everyone i need some help hopefully the help you need uh comes through as well have a good one thank you so much mark as always we appreciate your input on the weather always a thing to watch for even if it's not quite as exciting in july as it was back in april but as far as streaming options or DFS options for today, on the pitching side, Reed Detmers draws a Rangers lineup that I think will be without Corey Seager. That lineup hasn't quite come out yet, but they are thinking about putting him on the IL. He's pitched well this month, and that lineup is losing a big piece of its punch, so I definitely like Reed Detmers. Aaron Ashby is coming off his best start of the season, and the Bo Sox have been a bottom five offense for the last two weeks, so I'll definitely be looking at Aaron Ashby if I need a streamer. And on the hitting side, the Brewers should do well against those Red Sox and their starter Josh Winkowski. 
Bobby Telez has been crazy hot. He'll be hitting third with Kutch and Colton Wong right behind him. Uh, those guys are available in a lot of leagues, so I'm definitely looking at them today. I haven't really heard of Alan, Adam Aller until just now. He's pitching for the A's, which is my cue to get any White Sox hitter I can find against him, such as AJ Pollock, who's disappointed me this year, but is hitting third, and Gavin Sheets, who's a lefty. He's got a platoon advantage. He'll be hitting fifth. And then David Peralta is getting his first start of the for the Rays against righty Brian Shaw of the Guardians. He's going to hit fifth. I think that's a really nice play as he's got the platoon edge there and some good hitters right in front of him. And before I let you go, I will give you the answer to the trivia question. I'll remind you that the trivia question was, who leads the major leagues in average home run distance? 437 feet for all players with at least two home runs. I did not mention him in the episode till now, but the answer is probably a lot easier than you might have thought. It's Ronald Acuna Jr. Just wanted to call that out because it's fun that a guy who has eight home runs has the highest average home run distance of anyone with at least two home runs. If you want just the pure who has the highest home run average distance in the major leagues, it's Ryan O'Hearn who hit one home run of like 445 feet. So, you know, just a little fun trivia in there. Again, thank you all so much for listening. My name is Scott Chu. You can find me on Twitter at IfTheChewFits. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Check out the other stuff we've got, of course, on the site. We've got the batter's box. We've got the SP Roundup. We've got all kinds of stuff coming out to help you win your fantasy baseball leagues. Also, you can check out some of my stuff. I've got the Hacks and Jacks podcast. That is an FSWA Best Fantasy Baseball Podcast nominee from 2021. Uh, That comes out every Wednesday morning. You can also check me on Tuesday. I'll be doing a trade deadline show with the host of Fantasy MLB Today, Joe Arrico. I'll be on it about between five and six, so that should be a lot of fun, just talking trade deadline stuff with Michael Govier and a few others. So looking forward to that. And again, thank you so much for listening. Hope you have a great rest of your day. This has been the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, rate us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at PitcherList, and help support what we do by joining our Discord with PitcherList Plus at PitcherList.com slash plus.